Welcome to the Thriving Authors Podcast, where we delve into all aspects of what it takes to get your dream book out of your heart, onto the page, and into the world, connecting with a wide audience of readers. I'm Dallas, and I don't just want you to be a published author. I want you to be a thriving author, confidently sharing your ideas, making an impact with your words, and owning your unique voice that deserves to be heard. I've spent the past two decades immersed in the publishing industry, building my career as a best-selling author of five books and counting. As a book coach, I have helped dozens of women birth their books and live their dreams. And here's what I know to be true. You deserve abundant creativity, a nurturing writing practice, and a supportive community that inspires and uplifts you through the ups and downs of the writing life. I want to help you write and publish your dream books that grow your audience, grow your business, and grow your legacy. On this podcast, you will find behind-the-scenes lessons from my own book writing and publishing journey interviews with successful published authors, and tips and advice you can start using today to move you forward in your writing life. You don't have to do this alone. Let's get started. Hobie Hiller writes fiction, flash, and poetry. She's the author of a novel, four collections of poetry, and a book of stories. Her poetry and fiction have appeared in a wide variety of journals, print and online, national and international, and in six anthologies. She writes both realist and fabulous fiction. One of her stories, Splinter, was shortlisted for the first Los Gatos Listowel Short Fiction Contest and later won first prize in Craft Magazine's Short Story Contest. And two of her other stories have been shortlisted for prizes. Her fiction collection, Flight Advice, a Fabulary, was one of five finalists for Omni Dawn's 2019 Fabulous Fiction Prize and appeared from Unlikely Books in December 2021. Her most recent book of poetry, Crow Mind, is reviewed in the Los Angeles Review, and she may be found online at T-H-I-L-L-E-R dot A-G sites dot net, which I will link in the show notes. It was so fun talking with Toby. Um, I especially loved, loved chatting with her about um, writing flash fiction and the distinction between poetry and flash fiction and the ways that some of those lines get blurred. And also, if you are listening and wondering what is fabulous fiction, what is a fabulary, this episode is for you. It might expand your own ideas for writing and give you some new ideas to explore in your own writing life. So I really think you will enjoy today's episode of Thriving Authors Podcast. And without further ado, here is Toby. Thank you so much, Toby, for being a guest on the podcast today. I loved your latest book and I'm really excited to talk with you about it and about just your journey as a writer and all of your books. Well, thank you for inviting me. I'm very excited to be doing this. I'm so glad you invited me. Yes. Well, maybe we can start off um, just by giving listeners a sense of your journey as a writer, like how you first got into writing. You've published many different books and different genres. And I would love to just hear a little bit about how you first began as a writer. Okay. Um, I just, as an overall umbrella remark, I think that um, I'm not the only writer who is interested in, you know, different genre or who writes different 
genre, but a lot of people try to press themselves into a certain lane because commercially, you know, it's it's hard to write in different genres and publishers like to recognize what you you know, you are this, you are that. And so there are these seven books that you know, I can name that are like the book I'm going to publish by you and that have had a certain kind of um have had a certain kind of success. So I don't think I knew about any of that when I started writing. So I just wrote what I wanted to write. And I started when I was, I probably the first story I wrote, which I think was about a crow, <laughs> was when I was about five. I My mother saved it, so I still have it. I haven't read it in years, so I haven't told you what it says. But my parents... And my my father in particular was quite literate, and he introduced me to a lot of a lot of interesting reading. And so when I was very young, I became fascinated with fairy tales and fables, you know, um, and and the myths of different countries, um, you know, classical myths, um, and also myths of of countries that I didn't know very well, like. I had an aunt who gave me um, A Thousand and One Nights. Um, and I was enchanted with the idea that a woman, you know, kept her death from happening by telling fascinating tales. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, you know, when I was very young, I read things like Green Mansions, which is, you know, it's a book by Hudson about a girl who lives in the trees um, and this, you know, the secret garden and um, books like that. Less, I didn't much read the books of, you know, like Heidi books and stuff mm-hmm. like that, or e- young adult books. I mostly read these other kinds of things. And then when I, you know, when I got to college, I had the classical, I'm old. So I had the classical education of that time, which, you know, includes a lot of great writers, um, not as many women as one would hope, but I became um, very interested in in people like Virginia Woolf. Um, and I, of course, read A Room of One's Own, and I also loved Orlando. Orlando is a book which, although I was not at that time really knowledgeable about the kind of gender controls that, you know, I I didn't think about that. I didn't know about that really. Um, But the whole idea of a book that was called a biography, by the way, which is a joke, and I love that, um, that spans three centuries and in the middle, I guess three and a half centuries, and in the middle, the, the hero changes to a heroine. So that that kind of idea just attracted me. I and I, you know, some of this stuff is just mysterious. Um, and I became interested in people like Borges and Calvino. Calvino wrote a book called Castle of Cross Destinies, which is um sort of a modern interpretation of Boccaccio's um, you know, people go out in the country, the Decameron and, you know. Interestingly enough, given our current pandemic, seclude themselves from disease and tell these stories which are interrelated. Um, so I think I was just always fascinated with story, mm. and in a larger sense, 
I think that the thing that distinguishes us is that we're story makers, not not that we have language. Other animals, and we are animals, have language. What distinguishes us is we can't resist stories. And that's, in fact, one of our big problems now. We don't, we can't always tell the difference between lies Mm. and stories. I have a realist story called, is it a story or is it a lie, which tries to approach that problem, although it's, you know, very complex. Um, So... That's the, that's the story part of it, which was always involved with animals. My father also had me read uh, Rudyard Kipling, who's very unpopular now, you know, the just-so stories, for good reasons. I mean, he was part of a colonialist empire. But at the same time, he, ha- he wrote just gorgeous prose, very, very poetic, right? Mm-hmm. So um, that kind of got in my ear, that kind of... you know, that kind of prose. At the same time, when I was in my, well, not at the same time, but then later, I'm still trying to answer the question about how I got into all different things. Um, During, during my twenties that, you know, I had, there was a tragic accident and um, which was very meaningful for me, obviously, my brother died in a car accident. And, um, uh, what I was called on to write at that point, which was completely therapeutic, it, it had nothing to do with publication, was a poem. And I, you know, I'd written a few other poems. Uh, and I'm not, at that point, I'm not sure my poetry was anything but kind of some cross between poetic, rich language and prose. But over the years, I became very interested in poetry. and. Luckily for me, later, some of some of my poems were taken by someone else who was interested in them to a publisher named Oyes in Berkeley, a small publisher who was quite distinguished. And I, you know, I really actually was sort of three sheets to the wind about <laughs> how to how to how to promote anything. And he wanted to publish me, so he published um, uh, two books of my poetry. And also during that time, I had become very interested in Tolkien because for, for a while I was very, very interested in fantasy. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm actually not so interested in that genre as a genre now. But, um, and I wrote, a, what turned, I wrote a book, which I sent without representation to Harcourt Brace. And um, the woman who ran the YA division there, his name was Anna Beer, wanted to publish it and because I was stupid I'm just saying that for anybody listening <laughs> and not well not stupid I, I've actually never been stupid but I was very unsophisticated so I said well no this is an adult book and please send it on to your adult division and she said well I'm sorry but we're just we're just doing a book called The Princess Bride mm. and so we don't really have room for another in our adult division so so I, and then I you know, I was married, I had children, I worked. So most of my writing life during my younger life was sort of in corners or in mm-hmm. snatched moments. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I kept writing and I didn't send much stuff out. And then when I got to what is essentially retirement from my work, I was a um, 
Well, I was a teacher and then I was a psychodramatist and a therapist. Um, I, I just started, you know, I got a little savvier. I started sending things out and, but I'm still very off market. You know what I mean? I might, so I'm not telling everybody out there who wants to write a lot of different things that it's easy to do, but I am telling you that it is, it's possible. You just, you, you need to sort of run the motorcycle, right? <laughs> Whatever it is you're, you're riding, you know? Yeah. I love that. I love hearing just, um, it's interesting as you were talking about the different, um, I guess, inspirations or influences throughout your life. I just can see so much in your in-flight advice, um, sort of just the, the different, um, yeah, influences that I, that I can see traces of in some of the, the stories in here as you were talking. And um, maybe just a question that came up for me, maybe just for someone listening who's thinking, okay, well, if it is challenging to write in different genres as far as the market or or publishers, you know, kind of wanting to maybe put you in a certain box, what would you say, Toby, for you in your life have been some of the the joys, I guess, of exploring the different genres and not putting that box around yourself? Um, I, that's an interesting question. And I, you know, it's probably the, there's a long answer, but the shorter answer is I just writing or making things. I, I do other things too, in, you know, artistically, but writing is the main thing I've done um, is just in my nature. And so I, I feel and I think that's true for a lot of people. There is something you you need to do, and it doesn't necessarily you don't need to do it along the lines of what everybody says you should do it, but you need to find it and and because life in general as as an adult aware human being is hard it's, it's it, you know it's harder in some places than the than others and i'm not complaining my life is a good life you know and i'm and i'm basically happy but there there is always you know it's hard being grown up and really knowing what goes on in the world so you need to have the passion that fulfills you so mm-hmm. um and i've always been interested in art in general it just it pleases me to go look at paintings and to talk to artists and so in this later part of my life I've been very lucky to be in a poetry group of very fine poets um, um, so I think that 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 kind of practice you know we share poems and talk about each other's poems and there's a very wide spectrum of formal excuse me, styles and stuff. Um, but that kind of conversation and dialogue um, is really supportive and okay. helps you in your practice and makes you better, you know? Okay. So um, I don't know if I exactly answered what you... Yeah, no, I, I love that. And what's come up for me a lot as you're talking is this idea of community and being, um, and being part of community and... Um, you know, both it's such a, it's, it's a wonderful relationship with being able to offer that support to others and then receive it yourself with your writing. Um, and you mentioned that with poetry, did you want to talk your, I've, I'm trying to think if I've had any other, um, 
poets or flash fiction writers Mm -hmm. on the podcast, you might be my first. And I would love to hear about, um, I guess just your, I don't know if process is the right word, but especially with, with your latest book, Flight Advice, if you wanted to tell us a little bit about how it, how it began for you as a project, did, did you know from the beginning that these were going to be, to be fables? Um, was this something that you had explored in other forms? Do you want to just talk to us a little bit about how this book came to be? And in particular, this form of these, um, these fabulary tales? Sure. Um, I don't think when I began to write these stories, um, this, the, the individual stories interested me and, and they took the form uh, of something I was either interested in at the time or something that seemed natural. So I wasn't, you know, at that point thinking a collection of fabulous stories and I write both realist and fabulous work and I can't really tell you why one thing goes in <laughs> one um plot or whatever and the other the I, I think the first story I wrote here um was one of the strongest stories I think I I ever wrote it's called The Seventh Blue and it it was um very borgesian and it just it got shortlisted for two prizes and it um got published on able muse and and um then i'm you know at different times for instance the fable with wings one of the very short short stories um i wrote very recently as a as a as a part of sort of exploring kind of flash fable i.e very short you know, it's pretty short mm-hmm. and it conflates a lot of different impulses. And while I was writing some of these, and then there were, uh, there were another, the, the one about hair, <laughs> I was starting to write a group of how-to fables, how things came about. I didn't ever really finish a whole group of those. But then at one point when I had a bunch of these stories and, you know, uh, um, a few of them, and I had those political pieces, which were, you know, written during the Trump presidency. Um, I thought, you know, these kind of make um, a group, a collection. Mm-hmm. And I never, I, to be honest with you, I never thought anyone would take a look at it. So, but I had been published by this guy named Jonathan Penton, who writes, who who publishes um an online um, magazine, basically, for both prose and poetry, mostly poetry. He'd published a bunch of my poetry, and it's a very transgressive, interesting place. And um, so I thought, well, you know, Jonathan publishes books, too. They're They're all poetry books. Maybe he'd take a look at this. So I queried him and sent him a piece of it, and he took it right away mm-hmm. which um is probably the easiest <laughs> time i've ever ever had but i and so i was flabbergasted and really happy because i actually like this little collection quite a lot so and there was one called uh, the mystery writer one story in there called the mystery writer which was a separate story and i 
I hadn't thought of it as a fabulous mm -hmm. story, mm -hmm. particularly. And I sent it to him and said, you know, does this fit in the collection? And he looked at it and he said, yeah, I think it does. And so um, he was a very good editor and, you know, a, a, a very, I, I really admire the kind of work he does. So um, I small presses, you know, they don't have much money and, um, but I'm happy to be published. You know, I'm just happy to be published. I've been lucky in my life to not have to support myself with my 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 books, which would have been good because I would have been living in a basement somewhere. <laughs> Although I, I, you know, there are obviously things I could have done, but I did other kinds of work, you know, mm -hmm. which supported mm -hmm. my writing. So, mm -hmm. and I there's so much I love about that story. I mean, I think so many of us as writers, we. Um, we kind of, we tend to count ourselves out or um, almost mm -hmm. like reject ourselves, pre-reject pre our writing before submitting it. And I think a lot of writers in your position would have done so. Well, he's only published poetry before or, you know, well, I don't know if this would be a fit, but I just love how you tried. You sent it out. And then, That's like you right. said, it was the easiest sale. I mean, it was right away. He wanted it's it. And how unexpected because I have the same pre-rejection thing and uh, can I make a remark about that yes please do yeah so when I when I was younger um which is a lot of time um I um I when I was getting ready to send things out whatever they were poems or stories or something I would suddenly there are sort of two parts for me of the writing process the creative part and the editing part and I'm very I'm strong on the editing part. I do a lot of revision. So, but the editing part would suddenly turn into a monster, you know, um, like uh, I, I some some vague idea of uh, um, the the editor or the other the reader that wouldn't like this or wouldn't like that. Sometimes made me really mismanage my revision, so I wouldn't do a good job. So. Somehow over time, the practice of it, getting used to rejections, I've had a lot of rejections and not taking them so personally um, made me better able when I'm sending things out to look at it and say, oh, yeah, that's true. Now that I'm looking at it and I'm getting ready to show it to someone, I know that I have this kind of difficulty here or that kind of difficulty, but I don't anymore mess up. I, I think most of the time mess up my work, you know? Mm. Um, so I do, I do think that whole thing about believing in yourself and having a community, it is a lot about having a community, having other writers in your life who have read your work or with whom you have a dialogue who say, you know, this is actually good, or I love this about that, or, or I think this part, you know, you could you could change that or take a look at that. And you don't always have to follow that advice, but getting getting down to earth with that kind of exchange and having it is just really crucial, I think, for a writer. I agree so much. And I think it also helps us realize that. So, for example, Toby, if you were to come to me with a piece and, um, you know, and I and I read it and I loved it and I would say, 
you know, Toby, yes, you need to submit this. This is fantastic. I would, in my mind, I think have so much more conviction about your piece and how, Mm -hmm. of course, your piece was going to get published than sometimes about my own work where it feels so uncertain. So, but I think even just when you're in community and you're able to realize, well, you know, I have that conviction about Toby's work, you know, maybe when she tells me something about my piece, it's, I should, I should believe it too. Um, and so I think, yeah, it helps us get out of our own head a little bit. And, and I like how you described, um, I, I think that being able to be a strong editor of our own work is such a gift and a talent, but like you were describing it, sometimes it can almost get out of hand a little bit yeah. um, and you have to kind of rein it in. So you lose the original impulse, the feel, this mm. is particularly true for me with poetry mm-hmm. that if, you know, Poetry, one of the reasons I love poetry, I think, is because you can write it in corners. You know, something comes to you and you, you, I, I am not very organized. I'm an extremely neat person, but my study is stuff all over it, little post-its and little this's and that's where I've written down, you know, just thoughts or phrases or sort of a musical cadence that comes mm. to me. Um, and some poems come very fully and are pretty close to where they should be. And others, you know, are a mess or need work. And um, you have to be really careful with revision because, well, because you can, you can mess it up. So, um, Mm -hmm. but I do think that revising is very important. I have a habit as a prose writer of taking a long time to get into a story because I, Mm -hmm. you know, I just, I have to set myself up and you know, sort of rev it up and explore the jungle. And <laughs> so I have to go back often and take out what seems like beautifully written stuff that doesn't belong. Mm. So part of having a community is realizing everyone has quirks and everyone has, you know, upsides and downsides in their writing or everyone has little blind spots. Mm-hmm. Um, so just as a final comment on what you said, that seems to me that what's important about the per- people you listen to is that you feel respectful of what they do, you know, mm-hmm. and then, and then you don't always have to take their advice because people have a lot of different ideas about how to do things, but then at least, you know, that when they tell you you're good or that something does work or that something doesn't work, you know, you, you can pay attention. It's yeah. important, you know. Mm-hmm. I love that. I think that's such great advice, both with being in community. And, you know, I get the question sometimes from listeners who struggle with, well, I've gotten all this feedback. Now, what do I do with it? And so I think what I what I hear and you're describing that process too, is that you don't always have to take every piece mm-hmm. of feedback that you get. But I love what you said about it at least clues you in to maybe some areas to pay attention to. Um, mm-hmm. And then maybe you'll come up with a different idea of what you want to do there, but at least you, you, you sort of have, have noted some places where you need to go back to and look at them again. I think that's a lovely way of thinking of it. Especially if it's, if you get the same kind of feedback over and over again, Yeah, that's something to pay some attention to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What other advice were, we're already get wrapping up towards the end of our conversation, but I, I love, I would love to hear, um, you've already given us so many great little gems. I love what you were saying about writing kind of in corners of life and, and finding those, those little moments, um, to write poems. But if, if you were to think about, I guess, um, 
either someone listening who maybe is kind of just starting out on their writing journey, or maybe they've written things before, but they're a little bit nervous. They want to try something new, try a different genre. Um, Do you have any sorts of, you know, words of advice that come up in you or anything that has helped you um, just sort of stay grounded during the ups and downs of the writing life? Um, maybe, <laughs> mm. I mean, I, um, I think it's important if something is attracting you to try it. And mm. I also think it's important if something is attracting you to read in that area. Like if you want to, if you have been writing prose and you want to write poetry, you need to read, you, you need to be a person who's reading some poetry. It, um, at the same time, anything you want to do, any adventure is good, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Um, and for a, a while, it's like having something very new and very tender if you're trying something new. So that isn't, in my view, really the time to ask a lot of people to tell you whether they like it or not or what mm-hmm. to do with it. Uh, you have to kind of get through that bar- this ha- that barrier that happens you know, after you've entered a story or you've entered a poem and there's this place where you go, oh God, you know, where am I here in the forest? You know, and I think I'm lost. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where to go. Um, and maybe that's just me because I, I, I don't summarize ahead of time what I'm going to do. I follow the story, you know, but then you need to ask yourself a bunch of questions, your own questions mm-hmm. about what you want here and what the possibilities are and then write through it mm-hmm. and um so i guess also what i'm saying is when when something is very new for you like writing poetry it's you know it's good to take classes it's good to look around and read stuff it's good to talk to people who do it but you also need a little bit of a place of your own mm-hmm. you know to feel out the work and by the way with poetry and even with prose you should always read everything out loud to yourself I think Mm, because then you hear you hear both repetition that you don't want and also just the cadence the music of what it is you know Mm, I love that advice yeah so I think that and and I would say that your book um begs to be read out loud. I love, um, I love the cadence and the rhythm in, in your work. Um, thank you so much for just taking the time to talk with me. I just love all of your insights about the writing process. I think that listeners will feel more inspired to, um, just, there's so much like curiosity and, and I guess, I don't know if play is the right word, but just in the way that you describe your process and and discovery. Um, And so I think just you give listeners a lot of permission to kind of approach those things in their own work as well and and be open to, like you said, the newness, the tenderness, the discovery, the adventure, Um, Mm -hmm. such wonderful permission for for people listening. Where can listeners get more of you? Where can they get your wonderful book, Flight Advice, and all of your other books? And where is just the best way for them to get in touch with you and um, and follow you? Well, uh, as far as getting Flight Advice, all my books are on Amazon, which is not my favorite portal for buying books, but, um, and some of them are on bookfinders.org, mm-hmm. which is also, which is, a, you know, a, a, a more 
welcoming Amazon-like um, group. Um, uh, Flight Advice is also right now at Sausalito Books by the Bay and Bird and Beckett in San Francisco, um, and it will be at a few other bookstores. Um, and um, let's see, as far as most of my books, you can. Some of my books are out of print. My earliest, my early poetry is out of print. You can get it for $143. <laughs> it's ridiculous. If you really want, I have a lot of books. Um, <laughs> I have a lot of books in my garage, like most um, small press writers. So if there's something you're interested in and you can't find it at a decent price, you know, you can write me. You can reach me, um, you know, at, at, Toby, T-O-B-E-Y, Hiller, um, at gmail.com. Or you can, I have a website, which I don't have the... I can I can link, I have it, and I, I'll link to it in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, that has links to ways to reach me. Um, mm-hmm. And I am on Instagram. I have to admit that I'm, you know, not. I'm a little ham-handed with um, various forms of of um media at this point i mean i'm okay but you know i'm not very active on instagram so but you could you can contact me there too or follow me there if you want to and i'm on facebook so um where i'm fairly active so you know perfect thank you so much toby i will link to all of those and um just definitely cannot recommend flight advice enough i love this book and it's it's a great one too if you are listening if you're as toby was describing just kind of writing in little corners um flight advice is such a wonderful book to enjoy over time and little cor- little slices of time um i would read one story before bed each night and it just was the perfect way to kind of escape into dreamland um so yes thank you so much for coming on the podcast today toby i loved getting to talk with you Well, thank you, Dallas. It was lovely. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for spending time with me today. Please hit that subscribe button so you'll never miss an episode. And I would love for you to join me in my free Facebook group. It's called Book Breakthrough Community, and it's full of other heart-centered writers sharing resources and supporting each other. We discuss the podcast episodes, I regularly go live with free challenges, and you may even meet your new writing partner to swap pages with. Join us on Facebook at Book Breakthrough Community, and you can always reach out to me personally at Dallas Woodburn Author on Facebook and Instagram. I would love to hear your thoughts on the podcast and your ideas for new episodes. Until next time, happy writing. Happy writing.